0: We the movie. You're listening to No Synopsis, a film history podcast. It is
1: hosted by me, Elise, and Ashley.
0: We watched the movie. Those levels. <laughs> film, from film from Germany, Germany. 1922. <laughs> Directed by Friedrich Wilhelm Murnau. And <laughs> no. <Inspired> this <by laughs> novel <laughs> Dracula by Bram Stoker. What brought you to these juices? Oh. Well, this is a really
1: quintessential German expressionist film where it's a little bit toned down and subtler. Like if we think about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, that's like up to 11 and it was very new. Mm -hmm. This is just two years later, but it's almost like toned down and we have the German expressionism kind of just for suspense purposes. And I think this one is really indicative of where film noir will take the movement as far as shadowy figures, the long tracking shots, the kind of, tragic endings also tragic figures too and yeah i think that's that's good
0: i thought that was a very specific <laughs> description and yeah i was wondering, I was wondering, what, wondering what what this movie this tied movie into the theory previous theory films and why because you have a very specific order right and i was curious because dr caligari definitely, definitely seemed more german expressionist stylized
1: well, There's not as many, but there's definitely like shadowy bits, and he uses really fun tricks. Like if you notice, it was almost like stop motion. Stop motion when the carriage comes and picks him up. Yeah, and then the kind of fading in and out of Nosferatu of Count Olzak, like either coming onto the ship or crouching over someone or talking to the wife that was pretty cool the
0: shadow work work of Nosferatu and they changed the name right because of copyright infringement i think the most accurate story
1: that i found was the production company prana production films was like hey we're never going to be able to afford this and probably the people of germany will not care as much Hmm. if it's set in transylvania or set in london maybe transylvania so let's make it more modern for our audience and set in Germany. And we won't have to pay the expensive royalties. So this will be like a nice way to do it. Right. And then someone sent Bram Stoker's widow, Franz Stoker, a playbill from what the movie opening that was basically like inspired by the novel Dracula. And so she was like, "Whoa, fuck this shit. She had no money at the um. time. So she sued for money. And then Prana Production Company only made this one movie. They had already gone bankrupt. Oh so they could not pay her. The cool bit of history is that the courts of Germany ordered all copies of Nosferatu to be
0: destroyed. I thought that was crazy.
1: And guess what? It never died. Dun, 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 dun.
0: Some survived. It's here today. Not <laughs> got to enjoy it. Yeah, it's yeah. cool that it's part like of cinematic history. That was something that was trying to be suppressed. So give me one sentence, one minute,
1: more than one sentence plot line. Hmm. Okay. We're in an elevator, and we're only going up eight stories. There are
0: five acts to this film, and, and they... <laughs> You're, like, not starting well. <laughs> that was a strong start. I'm sorry that I made a face. That was good. A movie in five acts. So we have a young couple that live in germany in this cute little quaint town i really liked the architecture and basically it starts all sunny happy blissful life and then the real estate agent is the employer of the young couple and he tells them there's just great opportunity to make money from this man coming from Pennsylvania to buy basically an abandoned house i think he's looking for the creepiest house so yeah do you think I know. Do you think he? Obviously, he okay. knew, right? Count Orlok's situation.
1: I think we should go
0: into that later. Okay. I was kind of confused
1: because that guy is creepy AF, and he seemed like he was almost a vampire made by Nosferatu. But it's also like Nosferatu doesn't make vampires. But what's that guy's deal? Why is he so creepy? And why can he? Why does he say call him his master? And he does things for him. He does a bit.
0: Okay. So we'll, yeah, we'll come back. to yeah. that. Yeah. So the real estate agent sends then thomas to transylvania to get contract signed for this property i don't know why they couldn't take this with the message carrier he had to go in person to transylvania from Germany. Oh,
1: he had to get some paper
0: signed but it's like can't nasrachi just come over but this is how things must be done um, and this is how you know the story unfolds and everyone has these kind of like cryptic sayings like someone in the town tells them Okay, I'm getting into We're deep. getting too deep. Okay, he goes to Transylvania, go yeah. meets townspeople that are already scared of <attitudes> the whole house he's going to goes, goes to go. Count Orlock's house <laughs> and some, some wakes, up wakes up one day, one day with, with two mistakes on his neck very close together and he feels like She'll he's like seeing visions speedily. and things are starting to get weird. And then of finds out from reading vampire diaries, basically. <laughs> he read the original vampire yep. diaries Nosferatu's hand manual. and then he you know, laughs it off at first but then he starts to see some signs and i guess he takes it seriously within a day and then and then he starts to get worried that his man's gonna come live next door to him and his wife who has a lovely throat yes, by the way exactly and now it becomes, it a, becomes race a race, to get, race to get back to transylvania before Nosferatu gets there, he's worried about his wife. And then the townspeople start losing a little bit once Nosferatu gets on shores. And they try to blame it on the play.
1: Spanish flu was in Germany 1920 to 1921. So this was, like, very relevant for them. It was kind of like us watching it. The movie ended by ellen sacrificing herself so there's so many hidden i almost felt like it was a kubrick film in a way because there were so many hidden pieces because it's like a pure woman has to sacrifice herself she keeps the vampire busy all night and so then when the sun comes up he becomes destroyed which is what happened
0: mm-hmm. right right right
1: and then it was kind of like ding ling it's over Thomas's boss was like, oh, the master's dead. And it's like, how... Like, what's his deal? So, okay. beginning...
0: beginning. Noth no, gets the, the, get the letter in order, in order to, you know, find out Nosferatu, Nosferatu wants to go. move. And that and letter, the letter has, has these weird, like, characters. Yeah. Characters. yeah. yeah. Right. So, he, he could read Nosferatu's weird talk. So I made it seem like he definitely knew what the deal was with Count Orlok. And that he was sending Thomas because he's like, give your sweat and maybe even a little blood. He
1: definitely had a special telepathic bond with Count Orlok. But let's go back to how it ends. Okay. Because I'm not quite clear either. We don't really know about Ellen. And the Vampire Diaries did tell us that she had to sacrifice herself. And I think she read that page too. And then his castle has been destroyed. His original house in Transylvania. It's been destroyed to show that he's really gone. right. There's so many, like... I felt like the plot was a little convoluted. I have several questions for you but guys. But the books. But the <laughs> Vampire the Diary. <laughs>
0: written by Ian Summerholder. I... I don't know. Okay, so the book is a whole, a whole mysterious thing. thing. And the, they talk about Ellen having been drawn to it, even though his, her husband told her not to even touch it.
1: But she has a weird bond with Count
0: Orlock. <laughs> yeah, that's because she's, she's in Germany, and well is in, in Transylvania. Transylvania. And he's about to get attacked for the first time. And it's almost like she had a vision of it while it was happening. Right. Do you think that's her connection to to Thomas or her connection to to Nosferatu? I know. But then, remember, I think
1: Nosferatu was, like, calling to her. And she gets out of bed and walks to the porch and maybe is going to fall off the porch. But then she comes to and we see Nosferatu in the window kind of staring at her. And she's almost drawn to that building. And I think he knew he had to eat her or touch that neck, or she had a special bond with him. There's something I want to talk about, because it seems like Thomas and Ellen's relationship is very chaste. They're never in bed together. He'll hold her and kiss her, but there's it just seems like kind of a weird friend thing, or it hasn't been consummated yet. And then there's almost like a weird drawing or like yearning for Count Orlock. Mm. And he's in her bedroom, and he's closer in the bed than thomas has ever been to her Mm. so there's some theories we'll go into the production company later but there's some theories that the production company wanted to make movies to like increase sexual openness a revolutionary idea of sexual norms of the time dracula as well is supposed to be like a seducer and maybe it's like seducing women who are unfulfilled in their relationships. And so maybe Count Orlock has some of that going on for him. She can feel him staring into her bedroom and eventually he is in the bedroom. Right. And then it's all about like keeping the vampire occupied all night and a pure woman. It was just a very interesting way to think about it. And I feel like this movie has many different lenses
0: that you can see it yeah, through. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, then you can go you further... When just they drop these seven deadly sins, they kind of touch on all of them as well. He wants to eat blood a lot. He's pretty gluttonous. He ate way more than he had to. Lust,
1: greed from Thomas, and from Count Orlok because he's envious of that throat. It's almost like the reflection kind of idea, right? Because at the opening scene, Thomas is looking through a mirror, but the mirror's at a weird angle. We don't get his full face, but then Count Warlock is almost mirrored by being across the street from him at the end of the movie. It was just interesting. Like, they were opposites in a way. Yeah, and I did forget the character of Dracula is kind of a sexualized character. Right, right. Like, he is a charming yeah. man who seduces women, and they almost, like, go to him willingly. Right. So, okay, I want to start with the Dracula thing. This movie is obviously based on Dracula, but there was only, like, maybe two vampire movies before this. So, morale had a lot of, you know, freedom at his disposal of what to make this vampire creature. And so, this is a monster, right? He's not really making other vampires. He's kind of icky looking. And so, we kind of see... The two different binaries of what a vampire can be, right? And we see it in so many different vampire movies. They're monsters or else they're
0: people you want to bone. So there's all these different depictions of quote-unquote Dracula or just vampires. Right. These are like two
1: hallmarks of what a vampire can be. And so I've been watching a lot of Buffy and now I'm reading a vampire book. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) I think Buffy handles this well because vampires are mostly monsters and they're demons, but they also can be like lovable sex sexpots right, too. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And then like interview with a vampire, that kind of that plays with both. Mm-hmm. And if you think about what's the Suki Stackhouse, True Blood, mm-hmm. they're both yeah. they're monsters, but they're also kind of to be bone, right?
0: Right.
1: Yeah, oversexualized yeah, beings. And that's another thing, like. The protagonist of True Blood could not be, like, pleased by a man until it was a vampire mm. kind of thing. So it's like an interesting, weird, yeah. sexy bit that's gone through the ages. Right. as I say, it's the
0: gone come, come through for, so, for long. so long. This was inspired by
1: Dracula, but also changed the game. In Dracula, sunlight will weaken the vampire, but it doesn't kill them. Mm. So here, the whole thing of sunlight killing vampires started with this.
0: What? Ma- Mind-blowing.
1: That's the first cinema surprise. <laughs> That's like, you know, the top ways <laughs> to get rid of a vampire. So the Bella Lugosi Dracula Hollywood movie was in 1931. So that was after this. Closer to the book, but still kind of deviated. Weird. The director moved to Hollywood in 1926. He made what some call the finest silent film ever made in 1927, Sunrise. Okay, would you like to hear surprise... Oh, there's so many, Ashley. I love the surprises. Okay, cinema surprise number two, presented by Candy Corn the Corner, D- is we're not going to go to film noir yet. I got too excited. Oh. Okay. So I was reading about morale, and he made a movie after this in 1924. And he used all this cool unchained camera techniques that we talked about with their golem. It's called The Last Laugh. It is written by Carl Mayer, which you may remember from one of the writers for oh, The Cabinet of Dr. Trump Caligari. Mayer. So he wrote The Last Laugh. Walter Ro- rio I don't know, was the stage designer of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, oh, and he's the stage director for this movie, The Last Laugh. And the cinematographer Carl Freund also works on The Last Laugh, and he designed some of these, like, unchained camera techniques. The camera moves with the viewer. It moves with the characters. They, like, strap the camera onto his chest and rode a bicycle around. And it's directed by Morel. So I was like, wow, oh, we have to was I say, are we going to watch that? We're going to okay, watch that next. Good. Just because it's, like, all of the cast of characters from yeah. all the other German Expressionist movies we watched. I fine.
0: Love I loved the, 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 what do you call them? Chain? Unchained, unchained camera. Unchained camera where they do it on the ship. Like, on they the do it on the, the ship. Ground. Going up and down with the waves waves. was perfectly executed for the manner of showing just Nosferatu riding his carriage.
1: Okay, I have another cinema surprise for you. So, one of the creators of Prana Studios was called him, Growl, Albin Growl. He had heard vampire stories when he was at war on the Russian front, so he wanted to make this movie. To tell the stories that he had heard in the war. And I think he also heard like, oh, my dad wasn't buried right. Now he lives forever. Like stories. weird stories like that. Secret. So he started this Prana production company and also, you know, maybe to spread the word to like do orgies and stuff. Oh. Because he was a part of this secret society. Ooh. O.T.O. Ordo Templi Orentis. And guess who he talked to? The founder, Alastair Crowley. You aren't
0: reacting like you're <laughs> the most. Like, the, the ultimate,
1: best. like, alchemist, witchy, magician guy Wait, In of real all life? time. In real life, yeah. Aleister Crowley. Crowley started this secret society, and then Grau was a member of it and wrote back and forth with Crowley about it, about the production, like, about the design and about the movie, too. Oh. So maybe some of those hieroglyphics are made like our alchemy. Yeah. That's another question I have. All right. You are a wife waiting for your beloved husband who left on land to go to Transylvania. Where are you waiting for him to come home? The ocean. Why do they all return on by sea? But only Count Orlok is returning by sea. So it's almost like she's waiting for Count Orlok to come because he
0: infested her sleep brains. Whoa. So she's waiting at the port port. for her mother to return. But he is returning by land still. still. Right. It, oh wow! Well, she I didn't knew catch that. that he
1: was coming by land, yet she's waiting by the ocean. Yeah. Which it's a nice, pensive shot, but it's
0: almost like you know he's not coming that way, right? Right. Why would you go there unless, like you said, she's waiting for someone else? I interpreted that she was like going to the ocean for a peaceful moment because she missed her yeah. husband. The beach is a great place. I to I thought be they sad. were like so naively in love every time that they showed them together. I also it was just weird that she was finding solitude by a graveyard. On right. The a lot of crosses there. But yeah, I also yeah, I didn't think, think dunes were a very a good grave. place for a grave. That's true, but I guess maybe if the... <laughs> not a good idea, you guys. need to read about the plague? <laughs> that's true, and the pandemic had just come <laughs> yeah, through, yeah. Maybe that's why, because they had no other room in their burials. So. So,
1: yeah, that's a good point. So this was the first film of Prana Studios. First and last. Thank you. And their advertising budget was more than the movie cost to Whoa. make. So no wonder they went bankrupt, yeah, right? I- <laughs> Some people say this isn't true German Expressionist because it is filmed on location a few bits. So some people are back to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, like it has to be filmed in the studio exclusively for it to be German Expressionism. It seems like splitting hairs to me, but. I loved the on location. Uh, the Baltics, Poland, Slovakia okay, were was some wondering. places. That, that wasn't it was filmed.
0: filmed in Germany? Only the studio
1: shots uh-huh. were. I have a visual. Morale. now. <laughs> He was inspired by the paintings of Caspar David Frederick, which are very cool,
0: actually. Wow. They're like landscape, misty skies. One of them has a man standing on a cliff top. So that was some of the vibe that he was looking for. I think that definitely translates. Dracula the novel was
1: written in 1897. I was wondering. Just to kind of put it in context. Did you notice that there's, like, a lot of these long static shots to kind of build tension, especially when, when fucking finally Thomas finds out there's something going on, and he knows that Count Orlock is coming to his room? It's a really long shot while well, it holds it at his door. And we kind of see the image of Count Orlock And I think that's when Ellen, like, gets the vision. I love yeah. the shadow work of work him going, of going, up going up
0: the stairs. Upstairs.
1: That's the German expressionism that I think translates to film noir.
0: Like, I think that's where you can see the overlap pretty well. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. And also it had the Dr. Caligari feel as well. So that's where you can see mix mix of them. Obviously, he's so old. He's been around for ages. He's got some aches. Yeah, (laughs) He sleeps in a coffin, for God's sake.
1: And his home soil. I thought that was interesting that he has to bring all these coffins with soil. I was like, no wonder he's traveling by sea.
0: the narrator surmised that he had all the dirt because he had to sleep near the cursed earth he was buried in. Sometimes, with this narrator, it's difficult to say.
1: Yes, it's just who is a narrator, and they don't know everything, they're not omniscient. They leave some mystery, yeah.
0: Because at the beginning, he's like, Our story happened in the town of Verbog, right? And that's all we have reference to him, I guess. He lives in this town now, and maybe this is something that is, like, folklore has been passed down, or... Right.
1: And uh, I was reading a, a point that someone made, like, German traditions are full of demonic stories and folklore. Oh. So it's kind of a cool way of German expressionism kind of taking this on to make it a horror movie. I thought it was pretty fitting of the two meshing together the last movie we watched was golem when we could see the shadows fighting with a knife that was kind of cool and you kind of see how they go that with that here with the shadow also so we can't be remiss like germany at this time is impoverished Mm -hmm. they just had the flu there are some xenophobic vibes in this movie right like an outsider is coming mm-hmm. to eat your woman's throat they're coming with lots of rats and they're coming to bring a plague or death onto the town some people say it's could be read as anti-semitic as far as like count Orla, but they don't think that now consciously decide to put that kind of spin on it but some people read it that way just looking at the time
0: period he was in that kind of darkness state because he lost his lover from mm. the war. So, so again, a bad. lot of people play end of World War I, One Treaty of Versailles, terrible German mm-hmm. treatment. A lot of people are in a dark place,
1: right? And just seeing what war did, like the First World
0: War, seeing, and that's kind of what German Expressionism um, is talking about. And there's a, the shot when all the townspeople or the loved ones are carrying the coffin. And you're like, you're like aghast by how many coffins mm-hmm. there are. There's a ton of coffins. And I thought well, maybe that's a reference too, to bodies coming home after the war, yeah. or during the war.
1: I do want to go back to vampires can be hot and sexy young people or they can be monsters. The vampires of Blade are kind of like mean creatures that are like Nosferatu. All of the vampires are kind of Nosferatu, like in Buffy. Mm-hmm. And then if you remember Pan's Labyrinth, the guy the pale man who has his eyeballs on his hands he's very nosferatu like and cinema surprise number three nosferatu made a couple of appearances in spongebob square pants okay i did make an actual (laughs) flow chart though of all of the rabbit holes that you could go into from researching nosferatu that i did the phantom carriage and then the last laugh you know influences of what it took and then influences that it moved forward and then there was that william defoe movie about the making of this movie called shadow of a vampire where william defoe plays nosferatu but maybe he's a real vampire we We don't don't know. know and then i didn't know that francis ford coppola made a dracula movie what year in 1992 with gary oldman as dracula And Keanu Reeves with a British accent and Winona Ryder with a heaving bosom. And Anthony Hopkins is in it. We got to watch it, you guys. Cinema surprise number four. A 1979 (laughs) Werner Herzog remake. Nasratu colon a vampire story. Vampire with a Y. It looks like a loving remake, like almost shot for shot. Of course, the trailer is probably going to give us all the hits, but it does look very similar. Roger Ebert had a good quote worth saying about Nosferatu. It doesn't scare us, but it haunts mm-hmm. us. And I think it's true because it did really have an atmospheric, like, inescapable reality, but sub-reality
0: kind of vibe that I thought was very haunting. Yeah, it was creating a it's lot haunted. of tension, and it's a silent mm-hmm. film, so yeah. it's all right. doing it by visual references right. and timing. Or the amb- or-
1: yeah, the absence of sound. Right. I think he used
0: that really well. yeah.
1: yeah. And the uh, like, he alludes to off-screen space pretty well. I thought too, even the ship scenes. You know that the vampires are around, but you don't know where. Yeah,
0: yeah I, loved I loved the sh- the whole ship sequencing. Just the yes. photography was so good. The wildlife was a highlight for me, like the waves crashing or really showing the wind blowing vegetation. So that the natural elements, yeah. kind of like a Tchaikovsky. Yeah, kid. and it really showed that it was on location.
1: Robert Eggers, the director you might know from The Witch and The Lighthouse, he is allegedly going to make a Nosferatu remake. Apparently he was going to do Nosferatu remake way back when. He's like, oh, this is just like, I shouldn't really be doing this. I've only made two movies. I can't remake a classic. I don't know if he said that in that kind of tone.
0: He could have been very humble about it, but it was just like, okay, dude. All of these things you got from just tracking info about Nosferatu, yeah, all of these things
1: are rabbit holes I went down Amazing. from researching Nosferatu. And it was like, I really liked this movie. Brr, eh, actually, that's not true. I think I watched the wrong version, so it kind of haunted me that I wasn't watching the right version. I felt like it wasn't a concisely done like plot-wise. So I just was kind of like wanting more. But researching it about all these other things I thought was really fun.
0: Yeah, I thought that a lot I mean, could have been edited down more like the first hour was yes. really good in the last half hour i mean i know they were trying to create that tension of like i said the rat race and getting back mm-hmm. to germany but i was hey we know they're gonna make it there eventually like what's gonna happen when they get there like so that was yeah. all drawn out but um, i liked it I mm-hmm. felt like this, like this was the first, first one that had the right format for the silent film that I, mm-hmm. ended up doing yes, things. yes. So I felt like, right. I was, I see yeah, yeah, you original, watched the right one. yeah, yes. film, the original music score, mm-hmm. didn't have dubbed voices or anything, you know. So, so I, I, I felt like I was getting the right it. full experience. Right, that's I think why I enjoyed it more. And then a lot, a lot translated, translated through it. silent, like you could yeah. hear them when I when I relaxed. Right. Yeah, I thought it was. Well done from the 1920s. What was the highlight? Yeah, you?
1: there was one. Oh, I really liked, I like this kind of thing, though, where they're trying to piece together what happened on the ship, and they're looking at the captain's log, and they're reading it, and it's sort of like... Oh, yeah, we just we think there might be a stowaway, but we're not really sure what's going on. And we have a civilian on board, too. And then it's like, my men are very upset. And the foreman, who's very strong, has become sick. Mm -hmm. It just really I thought the pacing of that. And that's just very simple. It's just showing you a fucking diary on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool to kind of like tantalize you because, you know, something's going, you know exactly what's going on. But it was a very cool way to kind of pique your interest through that. One. Yeah, yeah, the way
0: they, they tried to, to solve the crime happened right. on the ship.
1: Yeah. I just felt like all the other ones we watched have been kind of clear and concise and to the point. And this one seemed like the plot was a little meandering mm-hmm. and didn't quite hit all the spots. So I think technically it was really good, right. but I just think the way the story unfolded wasn't as good. I definitely agree. That's why I'm excited about watching the Werner Herzog remake. Oh, am done. Wait, do we cover? of all I know. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. Thanks for listening to No Synopsis, a film history podcast. Be sure to give us a like or follow and look for our next episode soon.
1: Oh, damn. Oh, damn, audience. It's like in the South, we have... Bibles in the hotel rooms, but here they have the vampire, terrible phantoms, in like every inn there. <laughs> Peter, I think the goats are named Peter.
0: Everyone's Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone's Thomas. What kind of questions do you have? That's kind of all I know.